ignition sequence start. Three, two, one. Lock and load. It's time for the gun rack with your hosts, Joey and Drew. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gun Racks and Desert Institute School of Firearm Technology's official podcast. I'm Josiah Upper. Folks call me Joey, and with me, as always, we have Drew Poplin, locking and dropping. Whoa. Wow. We've been doing this for like a one and a quarter years and you held on to that for a I feel like you could have been doing that a lot earlier, is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I had to save it for a rainy March 3rd. Disgustingly rainy day. Yeah, quite rainy. So I wanted to lift the spirits up, you know, get you know, gets going because we're talking about something kind of exciting. We are talking about something kind of exciting. Today I feel like got, even I undersold it just there. Yeah, kind of exciting, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think <laughs> yeah. we might have good content today. Yeah. It's good. We're having fun. We're having fun. Also, get ready, folks, because we have the annual firearms draft coming up mm. in three or four weeks. I think we need to put that actually on the schedule, but that's coming soon. NFL free agency is coming, and I feel like there's something thematic we could do with that as well, but I haven't gotten that far. Mm. Anyway, it's combine season, and for football fans, it's a very exciting time because you can pretend that everyone working out could be on your team. Yes, yes. I always feel conflicted watching the combine, though. I mean, it's called the Underwear Olympics. It is very much the – it is like – I used to run track Mm -hmm. in high school, and actually you wear – uh, a lot of it happens late winter, early spring in, in high school. And uh, some of those are, there was literally one time it was so cold that I uh, ruined my hamstring for a whole season, just totally wrecked it because it was so cold uh-huh. and it couldn't stay limber. And uh, with that in mind, I watched these guys. I'm like, they're wearing less than I was. <laughs> like, Bro. like, it's so bizarre. Indianapolis early they're March. They're lucky it's indoors. They'd all be yeah. dead. Um, yeah, yeah. So I always feel conflicted, like watching it and like, especially now that I'm older, Yeah, like I always fit, you know, for the longest time I'd watch football and always feel like those guys are like infinitely older than me. Yeah. And then like the realization of like, these guys are 21. I've got nearly a decade on some of these guys. Yeah. Is this weird for me to do? <laughs> yeah. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. It's a little Top Gun-esque. Yes. Uh, it's like, this is great, but also a little weird right now, but I'd sign a petition to have beach volleyball at the NFL combine. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Oh, no. Uh, I, we're in I the suspect danger. there's a lot of uh, soccer moms that would agree with you. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> this is really not how I expected to open the show. Today. Not at all. Anyway, let's, let's, let's get on topic here. We're going to do our Drew's Clues first, as we always do. And then we're going to talk about the Great American Outdoor Show. Uh, do a little review there. Uh, we talked with Steve, uh, the director of marketing, uh, mm-hmm. my former boss, Drew's current boss. Had a lot of fun there. and uh, But we're going to get Drew's take on it because he was there as well. So real quick, let's get through the clues because Drew Poplin is on the clues. Drew's Clues. What do we got? All right. 
So last week's answer was the 1851 Navy Colt, very iconic firearm, and got another one that I would consider iconic uh, that we're talking about today. This submachine gun fires 9x19 Parabellum, though some variants fire 10mm and 40 Smith & Wesson. It was developed in the 1960s. It has been adopted by over 40 nations and numerous military, law enforcement, intelligence, and security organizations. And it has made appearances in films such as Air Force One and a classic in UHF. You know, I don't think I've ever seen UHF. Really? Yeah. Air Force One goes hard, though. Get off my plane. Get off my plane. So good. So good. No, we'll we'll have to watch UHF sometime. It's a mm-hmm. Weird Al movie. Um, yeah, basically he gets up. Have you heard of like UHF stations? No, I don't think so. Think think like public access TV. Okay. Like he uh, he ends up uh, running a public access TV channel, and so he creates all this different programming for it. It's pretty funny. Anyway, if you think you know what firearm this is. And you want to play along with Drew's Clues, please let us know what you think. Comment on our YouTube where we post the um where we post the audiograms up on. Uh, you can comment there or you can send an email to marketing at sdi.edu with your answer. If you are the first one to get that correct, we'll send you some swag. We'll send you a t-shirt. Today. And fun fact for every swag pack we send out. Uh, Drew shaves one square inch of his head. So the more weeks we get responses, the closer to bald he becomes. Keep in mind, I got a big head, so, you know. Yeah, it's it's a lot of square inches. None of this is true, but a lot of square inches. Drew does currently look like he climbed down a mountain and, and hit every tree of uh, Appalachia on the way down. You know, the worst part is that, like, I'm going to have to get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, Joey and I are going to a wedding next week, so I, ha- I have to kind of get rid of it. Yeah. I was going to grow it out. Honestly, Honestly, I, my wife was talking to me. She was like, honey, I'd really love it if you tried growing a mullet. Did she really say that? Not in those words. Okay. Maybe she didn't say any words. Yes, but maybe... <laughs> It's like, maybe I have your wife's phone number and I'm like, can't a man want a mullet for himself? Yeah, that's that's what I know. You can't, you can be Gardner Minshew or you cannot have a mullet. These are the rules. Um, I was going to shade the beard too, have the mustache too. So it really was going to be like a Gardner Minshew. Snopes fact check false, except mine probably is worth something. I mean, you've seen, I've got like plenty of pairs of short shorts. I yeah. think I think I could cosplay as a uh, Gardner Minshew one of these days. You could, or an NFL Combine athlete. <laughs> yeah, that too. That it's... too. You know what's more American than the Scouting Combine? Is it Sonoran Desert Institute? Yes, it is. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Sonoran Desert Institute is an online school to help students learn the skills and techniques they'll need to be successful in the firearms and unmanned technology industries. SDI is accredited by the Distance Education Accrediting Commission, it's the DEAC, 
Currently, we offer two programs in firearms technology, Associate of Science of Firearms Technology and the Certificate in Firearms Technology Gunsmithing. If you want to find out more info, hop on to sdi.edu for more details. We would love to have you be a part of the SDI family. You know what's also pretty American? Um, baloney. It's I feel also like terrible. But, yeah. So um, maybe, maybe. No, I'm talking about the Great American Outdoor Show. Oh, well, I don't know where you would get that from, but very well. Certainly not the name. No. So, you know, as Joey mentioned, uh, we already sort of talked a little bit about it uh, with Steve, but I kind of want to give my perspective just because, you know, Steve and our event coordinator, Christian, they worked uh, that first weekend, Friday till Monday. And then myself and my partner, Mark Gibbons, he's with the Military and Veteran Services team here. Oh, at good. We worked it Monday through Thursday. So we kind of got that like middle shift or that middle stretch. Heck um, yeah. And uh, Brian Dolch and my boss, Jennifer, worked Friday to Sunday. Get it. Jennifer's been on the show before, right? Yeah. Yes, she, she yeah. has. Been. So I was expecting it to be pretty slow. I thought, okay, you know, Monday through Thursday, maybe Monday with the leftover weekend crowd, but you know, surely Tuesday, Wednesday, it's going to be pretty chill. Good news was that it was I was wrong. It was actually pretty much packed for the whole thing, yeah. uh, which is saying something when you take into account how big this venue is. So unfortunately, I was at the booth most of the time, so I didn't really get to go a whole lot around to some of the different booths and talk to you know, some of the different firearms manufacturers and stuff, but I did get to talk to a couple and I'm going to be sharing, you know, what I learned from those booths uh, with you in a minute. I actually have a couple interview clips too. So that'd be cool. First thing I really want to address is I feel misled about the food, the quality. Really? Really? Okay. Let's fight about this. In the shooting sports hall, they had a couple food trucks and like a sort of a concessions thing. I actually didn't mind the fried chicken and fries. I thought those were pretty decent. The fries were cooked in like a peanut oil too. So that had a nice little taste. But I remember that someone explicitly recommended the cinnamon rolls. Yeah, I'm among those people. Bro, those were the worst cinnamon rolls I've ever had. That's deeply disappointing. And I'm not picky when it comes to cinnamon rolls. Feel you are. I You know? No, I've always been like, you know, hey, you know, let a thousand blossoms bloom. You know, like. It's a very zen take on cinnamon rolls. Yes. But when I took a bite of this particular brand of cinnamon roll, I was, you know, I was excited. It was massive. It was covered in the cream cheese. That's the way. Uh, But it was the roll itself. So the cream cheese, one, was incredibly rich. But I've had plenty of rich desserts before. And like, yeah, you kind of expect it. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter that you're poor personally. The problem was with the roll itself, it was like crunchy but chewy. All right, at the same time, not soft like where you you know, take a bite and it's like it feels like you know biting a cloud, but like the sugar from the cinnamon roll would get stuck in my teeth. Oh, and so it like ended up being like kind of gooey and like that's bizarre. Yeah, that's not great. It was like it was like burnt sugar. So, if you've ever burnt sugar on um, in a it's frying pan or fun. something, 
yeah. not not fun does not taste great so interesting experience but i will say the food in the uh actual food court area not too bad i had a taco there it's pretty tasty so it got better as time went on it was i think that first day having that cinnamon roll was a bit of a letdown when i did get to walk around i liked uh they had a, a 3d competition target shooting range uh yeah that's pretty cool it was a real wild and a big shot archery they were putting it on that was pretty neat only got to see one dog jump which was maybe the mis- most disappointing thing about it because again i was working at the booth but i did get to see one dog jump and uh unfortunately little man could uh not quite get it so uh rip yep rip but while i was working at the booth i actually got to meet a new adjunct instructor for sdi yeah, uh, yeah his name was uh robert burns me and him are actually probably going to talk here in about a month or so about how is it he's adjusting to uh his new position uh nice. yeah he was he was just finishing up his training while the show was going on so that was really cool again kind of a small world you never know who you're going to bump into and it's always nice to have new instructors or you know graduates or current students or even people that you know just heard of sdi stopping by the booth and talking and um those were always kind of the most enjoyable parts about working the show. Yeah. Uh, just kind of connecting with those people. But I know you guys, you want, you guys want to hear about some of the cool firearm stuff. Of course we do. Yes. Yes. So SDI, our booth was kind of placed in a neat position within the shooting hall to our left, like directly we had Colt, which was pretty neat. And then to our Northeast, we had, Henry. So it was kind of cool being like smashed in between those two. And with Colt, I went over and uh, I actually got to talk with uh, Paul Spitali. He's the executive vice president of commercial business there at Colt. And he kind of filled me in on their new bolt action rifle, which is the Colt CBX. And rather than butchering, like trying to explain like what's so cool about this rifle, I actually have a clip of me talking to Paul about that very rifle so here you go thank you for uh taking the time out of your day to talk yeah, to us yeah. i see you guys uh, across the way we're right beside you and uh tell you guys been busy yeah so this is the uh, the new cbx rifle from colt um it's a pre- precision rifle platform for us mm-hmm. really excited about it it's uh, one of the things that um, gives us the opportunity to bring a, a bolt rifle experience to our consumer base some of the wonderful features about it it has a, a six lug bolt, so it's a very uh, sturdy bolt in the uh, in the in the bolt action. It also has a 60 degree throw, which is really nice if you're going to put on an optic, um, give you plenty of scope clearance with uh, rings and bases. The rings and bases are built on a Remington platform, so okay. if you're used to having aftermarket thread pitches with uh, Remington, you can use them with these bases. We do comes with a 20 MOA base, so it's set up right now for. For longer range uh, capable shooting. The MDT stock is a very rigid platform, really happy about that, but it's also the palm swell on the grip. It is a M4 style grip, so you can change it out, but it's also ambidextrous if you want to shoot it from the, the left or the right side, or not, Got, as yeah. I would say. Um, M-lock attachments, along with uh, QD mounts for the both the uh, front part of the, the forearm and also the, the rear stock. A cheek weld change and also length of pull changes. 
Um, it comes in 308 and 65 Creedmoor, so okay. right up the alley of folks that are getting out there and shooting PRS uh, competitions. It's threaded if you want to put a brake um, or you want to put a later a, a, a suppressed, you could. Mm -hmm. And then uh, AccuRail, so uh, for today's shooters that are looking for that amongst our PRS community, it is. One of the really nice things about it is the ability to take AICS mags. So uh, the product's already set up. So right out of the box, and, and one of the best features of the product is price. I mean, at $18.99, mm -hmm. we just had this out at a media day out at Gunsight. Um, this gun is very capable of five-shot groups, sub-MOA groups. Um, and so it's uh, the, nut, the barrel nut attachment's very different. You know, we talk about our parent company is CZ. Their yeah. 600 has a different barrel nut attachment, so ours attaches more, sets the head space, and then we, we uh, more, more, I guess, akin to more what you see from... Um, another manufacturer out there that that has kind of a, a barrel nut attachment for sure um, but it, anyway it's a great great platform one of the other things I like about it is the safety the safety is the tang safety in the rear so Ooh, unlike okay. some of the others that are out there from our uh, our parent company which has kind of a, a push-through mechanism yeah. um, and the other thing too in a safe condition if you want just by lowering you can actually remove a round out Ooh. of the chamber which is really nice so yeah. even though it's a two position safety it operates in a very, very safe manner. So, I mean, for every bell and whistle the a rifle shooter would want, and um, this is our first step into the rifle classification. Um, there should be more. We'll have more to say about this category by the year's end. So, absolutely, um, look for more from, from Cole. For sure, and it helps that it's you know sleek. It looks modern. It's just, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Pretty too. Yeah. Mr. Spitali, thank you so much. Yeah, good talking to you. Excellent. Yeah, good. So thank you, Paul, for taking the time. Again, that booth was quite busy. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So I appreciate him taking the time to talk with us. So, of course, if you are interested in learning more about that, go to colt.com, uh, and they can fill you in on all sorts of details on that. And as I mentioned before, the booth that was to our northeast was Henry. When I was there, I got to speak with Kevin Barnes. I actually hoped to get him on the show. He gave me his contact info. We talked a little bit. Shout out to the guy that was working in the booth and had a uh, United States men's national team jersey on. Me and him got to talk about soccer a little bit, which was kind of neat. And me and Kevin, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get an interview clip with him. But Henry's big thing there was the Homesteader 9mm. So it is has a barrel length of 16.37 inches, okay. uh, has a weight of 6.6 .6 pounds. Again, fires 9 millimeter, has a capacity of 10 rounds. But I want to read this little excerpt from Henry's website. A good tool is one you can depend on to work for you whenever and where, whenever you need it. So the Homesteader semi-automatic blowback action is as simple as it gets, relying solely on the expanding gases of the cartridge to cycle the bolt. When the magazine runs dry, the bolt locks back, providing a visual and tactile indication that it's time to reload. The fact that it's chambered in America's most popular caliber with plentiful options ranging from affordable bulk training and plinking ammunition to high-end technologically advanced defense rounds ensures they'll never be left high and dry with no powder to burn and lead to sling. The Homesteader, and this was what I thought was the neat part myself. The Homesteader is available as three different models to cater to your nine millimeter magazine preferences right out of the box, thanks to its interchangeable magazine well, providing compatibility for Glock, Six Hour, and Smith and Wesson MP magazines. 
yeah so i, I thought that was pretty neat uh, yeah again if you want to learn more about the homesteader it's on henry's website it's henryusa.com slash rifles slash homesteader dash nine mil or nine mm slash if you want the whole url but yeah i definitely hope that we can get kevin on the show to talk a little bit about henry rifles they had some pretty ones up there but you know i'm just a sucker for those lever actions anyway yeah um, especially the gold-plated ones good lord uh it just got sad when i was looking at them and i saw what the msrp was i'm like oh well i'll never be able to afford that yeah uh, <laughs> i would not disagree with that i went to the mossberg table and there i had an interview with heath haley he's a regional salesperson for mossberg yeah, uh, and he talked a little bit about Mossberg's MC2C handgun line. And here he is talking about that. So I am here with Heath from Mossberg. Heath, thank you very much for taking their time to talk with us. Thanks, um, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, Mossberg has, um, they just released the MC2. And I was wondering if you um, wouldn't mind talking about it. Yeah, sure, man. Uh, Thanks for coming over, first of all. Really appreciate it. Uh, Anytime we can, you know, get the word out. You know, a lot of people here, Mossberg makes pistols. If I had a dollar for every time somebody said that, I could probably retire. Yeah. But honestly, it's a a solid gun. Uh, So basically, a little backstory on it. A lot of people don't understand that uh, Mossberg's Oscar Frederick, uh, his first firearm that he made in 1919 was a pistol. Really? It was actually a break action. uh, Called Mm -hmm. it a brownie. You can still find them on gun broker occasionally yeah um and yeah break action pepper box they call us had 422s in it, and it was for trappers instead of pulling a long gun off to call their you know their prey once they go to the trap to retrieve it they have a little pistol got his first shotgun uh Patton. fast forward the rest is history kind of thing yeah. so um great great grandson Ivor, our fearless leader mm-hmm. awesome uh he wanted to honor his his uh is basically the heritage of having a pistol. We want to get into the, 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 the this crazy market, you know, EDC, smaller, mm-hmm. smaller's better, all of that. And in 2019, they came out with the MC1. Um, solid start. Uh, 2020 kind of gave, gave us some time to, like everybody else, yeah. to step back and look and say, okay, what, how can we make this better? Everybody kind of collaborated, and then again, the MC2 was born. And the evolution continues with now the the uh, the uh, optic cut. It's in the Shield uh, RMSC okay. uh, footprint. Uh, so we have two models. We have the subcompact, which is here's what we're looking at here. You got um, basically it, it's a smaller version, of course, of our compact down here. So you got a 14 and one and a 16 and one. Okay. And then here you've got the 10 and the forces a 10 and the 14 model. Mm-hmm. Um, just overall over featured for the price point, I think. Mm-hmm. You're at a you know, you've got your it's DLC coded here. Um, you've got uh, forward slide serrations. You got a really aggressive uh, texture here mm-hmm. uh, for the stippling. We got our front indexing points here. We got a flat face trigger on it. Yeah. About a five and a half pound pull. Really nice reset. Um, and the safe takedown system is also something that really, if people, when I was at, when I met your counterpart, I think at USCCA yes, uh, last year in, in Fort Worth. Um, everybody was waiting in line to shoot all the guns at the Connex, and it kind of got backed up. So people were asking me to kind of show what's the difference, mm-hmm. and here it is. Basically, instead of if this was a uh, a Glock, for instance, we'd have to pull the trigger, mm-hmm. right? Yes, pull the trigger, and then your 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 takedown levers, right? Yes, sir. With this one, right here, all you got to do is what's called the um, safe action takedown. Pull the slide back, push on the button, pop that out. No trigger pull required. Oh, that's pretty sick. 
Yeah. And yeah. That, like, needless to say, when we're all standing there, everybody's bored waiting in line. They're looking at it and they're like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But again, a lot of people don't want to pull the trigger. You know, new gun owners, they get, you know, weirded out, I guess, by that. And mm -hmm. now it, you know, it, it's innovative. And our engineering did great with it. And, you know, these guns, I haven't been with the company that long, a little over a year. And I've, I've done a lot of shooting with this thing. And, uh, these things pretty much eat everything. They run, people like them, the price point's great, and you're getting a lot of great features. And it's American-made, again, the oldest family-owned uh, firearms manufacturer left in the U.S., four generations now. Absolutely, absolutely. Heath, thank you so much, man. My pleasure. Again, want to thank Heath for taking the time out of his day to talk to us. Really cool guy. It is really cool seeing his lies. His uh His lies. It's really cool seeing his lies. Gosh. <laughs> How in the world did I end up co-hosting a podcast? I'll never I don't know. I don't know. You do very well on um on a hot take uh shock drop political podcast. <laughs> Informative firearms based podcast, not so much. But yes. um no, it was really cool seeing his eyes light up when he was talking about, you know, the MC2C. It was really cool. really seemed like he believed in the product. That's awesome. And, and, you know, I think it's cool that, you know, a company like Mossberg is sort of branching out more into that sort of consumer handgun alley. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. And uh. th the last company that I wanted to highlight... Unfortunately, there was a fair amount of companies missing, I feel like, from this show. So, like, Glock wasn't there. Wow. Um, okay. Smith and Wesson, I don't believe, were there. Um, I wonder why. You know, SIG was still there. So, like, you still had, you know, some big hitters. So, you had, like, SIG. You had Mossberg. You had Colt, uh, Henry, so on and so forth. And the reason I wanted to highlight this last company was it was just a cool story about, you know, the way that uh, we met. You know, you hear oftentimes is like the best conversations that you have at these shows is outside of the show. Yeah. Um, you have heard Steve and Christian sort of echo that whenever talking about SHOT Show or their experiences at Great American. Yeah. And it seemed to make sense. But since, you know, I don't like going out. Of uh, your house, really. Ever. It's. It didn't seem like something that you know, would apply to my experience. But truth be told, I was missing my wife. I was ready to be home. <laughs> yeah. So I was tired. It'd been a long day. And I'm at the hotel. I just so I had to go out for a smoke. I know it's a filthy habit. I'm smoking a black and mild jazz plastic tip. Filthier habit. <laughs> Man, this this episode has really been painting me in the best possible light. I know. Um, you know, I'm out there. It's kind of raining too, and out walks a guy. I'm sitting over there by the benches where sort of like the like little cigarette dispenser is. And previously, people come outside, see that I'm there, and then like go back inside or like you know, shuffle awkwardly away. I'm like, oh, okay, I don't, I don't bite. But me, you know, me and this guy sort of, you know, make eye contact. We nod. I notice he himself is smoking a black and mild plastic tip. Hell yeah. I mean, if no, I, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was a jazz too. I see you too are also a man of class. Yeah. <laughs> a, man, a fellow man of culture. 
Yes. Uh, and so ended up striking a conversation with him. Turns out um, he was there as the owner of Bear Arms Defense LLC. It is in Little Falls, New York, which is about halfway between Syracuse and Albany, New York. So definitely upstate. His name was Lorne, and me and him just got talking. That's cool. Uh, talked a little bit about his business. I talked a little bit about what I do for SDI, about the podcast. And um, turned out we had a lot of things in common. Of course, you know, the black and mild. Yeah. You know, I was able to talk a little bit about upstate New York with my wife being there. It turns out, you know, Little Falls is only about 45 minutes an hour away from where she grew up. So, you know, kind of talked about that. Turns out he is, uh, he was the son of a pastor. Uh, and with myself being also, I guess, a youth pastor's kid, able to strike up conversation about that. That was really neat. So, yeah, it was probably one of the better conversations I had that entire time. Uh, so I just kind of wanted to talk about uh, their company. Again, it's in Little Falls, New York. Their website says Bear Arms Defense started in 2021. Manufacturing began January of 2022. We wanted to make a higher quality firearm that could still be attainable by novices as well as the pros. No one would be left out. And they focus a lot on sort of like AR builds and you know stuff like that. So I just wanted to give them a quick pl plug. I like being able to highlight some of the smaller businesses, especially when you go to shows like this, oftentimes the attention is on some of those big hitters like Glock, Colt, Six Hour, stuff like that. And for me, I always like kind of highlighting these smaller, smaller companies that are still doing uh, some good work. And I, I believe they said it was their first great American show. So they were just. Well, they started manufacturing last year, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, a baby company. Yeah. And so they were just really stoked to even just be there. Good uh, for them. Which I think kind of put my whole rest of the show into perspective. Uh, and getting to have, you know, that friendly conversation stuff, it made my show a whole lot better. So thank you guys. I'm Appreciate glad. that. Um, and the show finished on a pretty strong note. Definitely had a lot of people interested in SDI. So it was great talking with them. And yeah, I th think it was a pretty successful show overall. So, uh, you know, in the end, I'm glad I went. Good, good, very good. I'm glad. I had a lot of fun when I went. I went seconds before uh, everything got screwy with COVID mm -hmm. um, in, in 2020. Um, someday I'd love to go back, but... The uh, I think it's an experience everyone should try to do at least once. For sure. Now, let's go ahead and talk about some tales, tales from the range. This one comes from the highroad.com again. This is from JHB. It says, I mostly shoot on private land I own and by myself or a small selected group so I can control safety better. Of course, legally by county and state laws. I rarely do ranges anymore. I've seen way too many almost. The problem I see at range is, is folks treated as a group social outing. Um, lots of chit chat, no focus and attention on safety and many, many, many mistakes. When I see that, I pack up and leave. Sometimes management stops it, it being the shenanigans. Now, when I was going through the story, just a quick pause. When I was going through the story, I was a little like, I mean, you and I are big advocates on safety, yes, but also yes. 
enjoying firearms. Yeah. Um, and so I was a little like, okay, you know, <laughs> don't be cringe. Yeah. But then I kept reading. So just bear with me. Yeah. What I figured out over the years, it's not just beginners that can be dangerous. Folks who are very comfortable around guns or have learned bad habits are often just as dangerous, sometimes more. This ain't the worst, but it's a really bad one. A fella I know, but I don't shoot with for obvious reasons, keeps his pistol in a backpack, not a holster, loaded, along with a lot of other clutter. He'll leave it unattended sometimes and swings his backpack on and off, and I'm waiting for that one time. I offered to get him a high-quality holster to eliminate half of his bad habits, and he chuckled and said he's never had a problem and thinks I'm overly cautious. Can't fix stupid. I know I've tried many times. Jeez. I was getting ready to judge you a little bit, JHB, uh, for being a bit of a curmudgeon. Maybe not, though. Yeah, I. <laughs> maybe I judged you too harshly. Maybe, uh, maybe you were right all along. Yeah, maybe it was the JHPs we made along the way. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. Oh, all right, folks. Well, today that's gonna do it. Uh, get ready for some more exciting stuff coming down the pipe. The gun wreck plows forward and tends to share a similar calendar to the NFL. So we have a lot of draft prospects coming up for you in the world of firearms technology at some point here in the near future. It's going to be fun. Yeah, um, I can't wait for that. Yeah, for now, that is the gun wreck. Have fun out there. We will see you at the range. Sonoran Desert Institute is an online school accredited by the DEAC. It is headquartered at 1555 West University Drive in Tempe, Arizona. For more information about how you can craft your firearms future, visit sdi.edu.